And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping will help your business grow. All right, leadership. We've talked about it a lot. There is an art and there is a science to it, but how do we go about doing that? Are we Picasso? Are we Einstein? Are we someone else? Are we a mix between the two? We're going to get into all of that and probably a lot more, some of which may be on that topic and some of which may not. And before we get too far in, I'm going to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Crown CFO. They offer fractional CFO services for any size business. Get the impact of a CFO for a fraction of the cost. You can go to crowncfo.com forward slash hustle. You can just scroll on down to the show notes and look at that. And so, you know, my company, Full Scale, we use Crown CFO. They do a great job. So check them out. Be there to answer your questions. Now, here to hopefully answer my questions, maybe ask a few of his own and have a great conversation with me about the art and leadership, the art and science of leadership. I've got Mike Harbor and Mike's the, the, the CEO and I believe the founder of Harbor Resources. And they, what they've created is the Art and Science of Leadership Development Academy. While you're down there in those show notes looking for Crown CFO, you can also click the note to the link to mikeharbor.net and he spells it B O U R.net. Live from Little Rock, Arkansas, Mike Harbor, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, Matt. Thanks for inviting me in, man. I'm excited to be here. I'm 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 glad to have you, and you know we didn't realize it until we were about to record. You might bring out my southern draw, Mike. I'm I'm feeling it. Um, I might I might say y'all. You know we're here in Kansas City, so I'm not so far away from that. Um, but yeah, what I'd like to do is is start by asking you a little bit about your backstory and what got you into the position of uh, setting up, running, and being a subject matter expert about the art and science of leadership. Yeah, it's great. Uh, great question. And so you're, you're already picking on my accent, but that's okay. You know, I've learned to, I've learned to embrace it. You know, it's one of those things I used to for years, Matt, honest, this is the honest truth for years. I avoided speaking in public. I, I avoided recording podcasts. I, invo- I avoided a lot of things because I, I, I would listen to myself and I'm like, God, you sound like a redneck. <laughs> and so, but you, you know, you just learn to embrace it because it's who I am. I grew up on a small farm in uh, Southern Arkansas and uh, it was really there that began my path to where I am today, man. I grew up a pretty rough home, uh, lots of uh, dysfunction in my home, lots of lack of leadership in my home, lots of uh, abuse, alcoholism, those kind of things. And, and so there was no real leadership in my life growing up, but I, I desired it. I wanted it. And, and uh, for a few years, man, I was kind of lost. Luckily for me, you know, I went to college to play baseball, but I joined the Army when I was 22 years old after college. And it was there where I was introduced finally to some great leadership in my life, even though I had some coaches in my life growing up. 
uh, that were were decent leaders. It was in the army where I was really introduced to the idea of leadership and personal growth. Um, at 23 years old, Matt, this is no lie. I read my first book. I had, I had graduated high school and college somehow, but I'd never read a book. I just I was doing all the sh- shortcuts, right? And um, I was given the uh, the book, and I know you've probably heard of it, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That was my very first yeah, book sure. uh, that I read ever, and it was kind of the introduction to personal growth for me and lead- leadership in my own life and realizing that, hey, man, if I would just get better, um, I could be a better leader. I could be a better person. I could be a better communicator. That's really kind of how it started. And over the years, I've, I've just continued to grow and I've partnered with John Maxwell as a John Maxwell coach and, and founder of the John Maxwell team and been mentored by some of the, some of the giants in the leadership and personal growth industry uh, when it comes to that. So it's so led me to, de- to where I am today, man, where I'm working with companies and doing leadership development and executive level coaching and, and doing online. You know, the world is moving more and more on Online, so I'm, I'm learning to do more teaching and, and leadership development through our online academy, the art and science of leadership as well. So in that book, The Seven Habits, that I have not fully read, but I'm aware of the bullet points of The Seven Habits, the first one is one I do actually mention a lot, which is begin with the end result in mind. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think that that's important because, you know, you're talking about creating a plan, creating some kind of anything. Now, with any type of art or science, now sometimes with art, you don't necessarily give too much credence to where you're going to end up. Some of that stuff is obviously creative and you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe what that next brushstroke is. And I've been around some artists and some of them know exactly where they want to end up with science. You create a hypothesis and a plan for proving whether that's right or wrong. How do either one of those play into your approach of either teaching or fielding info or growing leaders? Man, it's so, so good. I, we we could go a lot of different directions with that question. I, I love how you brought in the beginning with the end in mind because I believe it all starts there, Matt. I, I don't know if you've read the book Think and Grow Rich, but in that book, Napoleon Hill talks about desire, right? And we've got to have a desire. That desire is that end point of where we want to be. So as a leader, when you're leading other people, you got to have a, an end point, not like ultimately, where do you want to take your team? Where do you want to take your business? Where do you want to take your department? Not what do you want to get right now done? Sometimes I often teach leaders in my coaching. Sometimes I've got to lose the battle today to win the bigger war than I'm after. And if I haven't begun with the end in mind and then put some thought into that, I love how you brought art, uh, you know, the, the Picasso into that. And But there's a real thinking. So there's the, the what I think about the art is is what we do, kind of what we do, the brush strokes, right? I got to do the brush strokes. But but then the the science behind that is is the imagination, like imagining what things could be. It's, so instead of just putting brush strokes down, imagine what I, how I want that brush stroke to look. Is it going to be a lighter color, a lighter stroke, a darker color, you know, a heavier stroke? And, and by, by no means, I'm not an artist. But when I think about leadership, sometimes I've got a, the, the science behind it is sometimes I've got someone on my team that I've got to be a little bit firmer with, right? I've got to be in their face a little bit more. And then sometimes on my, so I've got someone on my team where I, I just need to use the feather. I need to use a feather approach, a lighter approach. That's the science behind leadership, Matt, is, is understanding those individuals individually, 
so that I can adapt my art of leadership, the doing side of leadership, so I can adapt it to get people to move. Because leadership is about moving someone from where they are to where we need them to go. And I, so there's an art to doing it, but I've got to think into that. I've got to use the science of individual personalities to really move people from where they are to where I need them to go. Well, I'm excited you just used the word personalities because that's actually something I've spent a lot of time both writing about, studying, and practicing myself. And you you talk about, uh, I say that you got people. You, your approach for different people is, and at least in my experience as a leader, has been centric around what kind of personality style they have. Um, certain personality styles react really well to being pushed. Some need to be pulled. Um, some have a very adverse reaction to either. Uh, in the basic scientific approach of that, where where does your teachings and, and, and instructions and consultation, how do you advise people to handle the different personalities of the world? Yeah, I mean, one of the tools I use is a DISC assessment. You're probably familiar with DISC. Uh, Love it. They're, they're... Love DISC. Wrote all, wrote all about it in my first book. Yep, all right, absolutely. Right on. I'll have to pick that up, man. But it's yep. it's it's kind of the four basic foundations of, of people, right? And there's a lot of assessments out there in the world, but they're all based on DISC, D-I-S-C, right? They're, that's the four foundational subsets of someone's personality. If you can't tell, Matt, I'm a high D. Um, and one of the things I am too. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things you, much, you, and I, much, you, yeah. you and I struggle, right. With, we, we can burn people up. I used to say that I would burn people up like running hard. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'd look behind me and I'd left a, I'd leave a trail of dust, right. I've, I've burned people up. And so I had to, you know, the, the whole idea of this science of leadership is I had to learn the science of myself. Like what about my personality really creates resistance to my leadership or what about my personality really creates buy-in to my leadership because it's not it's not a either or it's a both and right there's some things about my disc style my dc style that people love but there's also some things about that style that people hate and i've got to learn to use that not not in order not in a way to manipulate people but use that to influence people and then when i understand their personality matt so if i'm you know a high d working with a high s personality guess what i need to soften my approach a little bit because that s is a little bit more they need a little bit more softer touch where if i'm working with someone like you you and i could get in a room and we could we could go at it and then we walk out of that room and still be still be good friends right just because we were the same type of personality um, so it's really understanding those and I use disc in every engagement that I do from a leadership development standpoint to help people understand not only others but also their, themselves so that we can understand where there's going to be conflict between those personality styles to move people yeah and to, to break it down a little bit disc so you know we're often taught and, you know, psych 101, a, a type A and a type B, introvert, extrovert. Um, an extrovert is a type A personality, an introvert is a type B personality. So the D and the I, that's driver influence, and those those fall underneath the uh, type A personality. They're extroverted, they're outward. S and C, steadfast or conscientious, there are sometimes different words, but still very, very similar 
similarly used to that. The issue is that in certain situations, people either with the exact same personality style may clash or people with exact different personality styles clash. Now, I mentioned that I had written about this in my book, Balance Me. Uh, I did that because a lot of, you know, I believe that life on many days is sales. Mm -hmm. And if you want to communicate and have your message heard, you have to be able to, you have to communicate in the language that the recipient understands, not necessarily your own. So, you know, say being a high and then you have a different kinds of personality styles as well. You have a natural style and you have an adapted style. So your natural styles, where you are when you're not around, your guard isn't up. It's who you are at home and different stuff like that. Now, some people shift or adapt into a different personality style when they go to work, when they get around different people, so on and so so forth. So you can actually have kind of a fluctuating personality style. Now, the reason that that's important is is, uh, you know, like I mentioned, if you want to communicate to people, you have to have some basic understanding of how they're going to react to what you have to say. Now, a high type D personality, and by the way, I'm usually like a 99. (laughs) Um, and, and that's, and I can mow people over kind of like you said, I can burn them out. I can run them down Just something. I'm very intense and I can be now. I also, I can talk fast. I can, and sometimes it seems as if I avoid the details now for a type B personality type, they don't, they don't like that. It looks like I'm being flighty or I'm not considering a lot of that. So, um, you can, you know, like I said, you can really like, if you don't, if someone that you're trying to communicate with immediately has their guard up or doesn't seem as if they trust you, um, you know, it makes it very difficult to get them to listen. So, uh, in my book, I'm mainly bringing this up because so many people have anxiety and friction that is brought into their life due to not understanding who they are and how they relate to others. And I want people to smooth that out, you know, Mm -hmm. because if you're not able to communicate with the people in your life or the people you work with, however that is, and you're constantly at odds with them, and not only do you have a lot of anxiety internally, it leads to a lot of, well, arguing. So, yeah. So it, when it comes to, comes to all this, um, do you think that leadership, uh, is, is, is more inclined to trend to one of the, per, one of those four personality styles? Uh, yes. Uh, primarily, you know, someone who's a D is going to be kind of out in front because, you know, D's want to be leaders, right? They want to the be drive. out in front. Yeah. The, the driver, yeah. Yeah. but, but there are a lot of, you know, I've, I've, I've met leaders in a lot of different, you know, quadrants of this, these personalities, they, they have to learn to grow in some of those areas. Right. Um, and, and certainly for me, as I've gotten smarter and wiser over the years, I've, I'm probably more adapt. I used to be 99% D 99% C, which meant I wanted it done now. I wanted it done fast and I wanted it done right. I mean, that was my style, right? And and then my IS was on the very bottom, like in the 10, 10% or less, Matt. But now, you know, my S is much higher. My I, I, I'm still not, I'm, I'm an, I'm a ambivert, right? I'm kind of in between introvert and extrovert. Um, my I is still really low. My S has come up a lot because I've gotten smarter about that emotional intelligence. I've gotten smarter about adapting to other people and, and realizing that I, 
because 60% of the population are, are high S's. I had to learn that if I wanted to go, you know, John Maxwell taught me the law of significance. Um, you know, anything of significance can't be solved by one person. It didn't, you know, we've got to have other people, right? And so if I, I needed to learn that, and I needed to learn how to influence that S style personality, or I was always going to find myself alone. But to, you know, back to your question, I think most of the leaders I work with are going to be high D's, high C's. However, the really good ones, and I, I, and I, I'm thinking of one leader right now. I mean, she's ex- perfectly in the middle of all four personality traits. One of the best, she's a vice president of nursing at a hospital that I work at. One of the best leaders that I know because she's, she's both firm uh, and, and uh, very caring in her leadership style, has a lot of trust, very, very outgoing, but able to retreat and take care of those details when she needs to as well. Probably the most balanced person I've ever met in my life. Now, many people say, you know, you're, you're kind of born with the personality style that you have. Um, I see it in my own kids. I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. My daughter is like, we joke because it's like she just took all my DNA and my son took my wife's. And, you know, so some of that can be shaped and, and, and molded and adjusted to like, what's some of your advice for those that, look, if you're having a hard time dealing with people that aren't exactly like you, then you need to be listening to what we're talking about here. Um, so what's some, what's some of your advice when it comes to dealing with opposite personality styles? Like, how do you, how do you approach that and how do you teach others to handle it? Yeah, I think one of the things, look, we're going to kind of get into the science of leadership here again, just for a minute. I, I agree completely what you said. You're born with it. Uh, you're, you're, you know, 50% DNA from your mom, 50% from your dad. And then, and then par- the other parts of your personality come from your conditioning and then your environment. So when I, what do I mean by conditioning is how, how your parents raised you, you know, that, that what, what they taught you to think about other people, what they taught you to how to communicate with other people, what you saw, right. We see a lot of that. And quite frankly, Matt, I grew up in a home where my parents, I often say my parents weren't, weren't oil and water. They were fire and gasoline. They were combustible every day. And so I saw that a lot. Right. And my, so my leadership style was if I wanted to get something done, it was often combustible with people. Now bring that into a marriage relationship, right? I've been happily married 27, almost 28 years now, but I had to figure this stuff out. Um, and, and then the other part is your environment. Sometimes our environment, like if you put me in an environment where, um, I'm uncomfortable, like I'm not a, as I said a minute ago, I'm not an extrovert. You put me in a room of, of three or four or 500 people that I don't know. I'm not going to be, I'm not a good mingler, right? I don't do that. Well, I can do that, but I don't do that well. And what it does is it uses energy I don't naturally have. Now, if you put me in a room with people where I'm in charge, like I'm speaking or I'm training, man, I'm on fire. You'll, you, you would think I'm, I'm the biggest extrovert there is out there. Or you put me in a room of people that I know where I'm comfortable, I can mingle very well. And so, you know, what I teach people is, is one, you've got to understand kind of your DNA. You can't change that. You've got to understand your conditioning. Like, how did your parents raise you? Or the people who raised you, how did they teach you to think about other people? How did they teach you to communicate? And then ask the questions, how does that impact you today? So for me, you know, I always talk about the marital relationship. I use my parents as a bad example. I had to learn to overcome some weaknesses that I was taught or I was conditioned to think about the opposite sex um, in, in my 
rearing as I grew up, I had to learn to adapt and change and grow and, and realize that my wife was a partner, not an enemy for me. Right. And so in leadership, we all, we have to do that same thing. We, we need to see those people that are on our team, they're partners, they're teammates. We don't compete with them. We have to learn to complete them. And when I learned that about my own personality, and then I seek to understand, which is another principle in our seven habits book, seek to understand the personality of those individuals on my team, then I can adapt my style to communicate more effectively with them. You mentioned earlier, you know, getting, getting tuned in. I, I'm being from Arkansas. Oftentimes, you know, I can drive down the, the road uh, we call them two path roads in Arkansas because they're not very good roads, but we, uh, you, you can drive down the road, be listening to the radio, have a great signal. And all of a sudden you get out of range of that signal. You start getting some static. And so what you have to do is you have to retune into a good frequency so that you clear that static up. If you're having static with people that you're communicating with, it's because you are not tuned into their frequency. It's not their responsibility, Matt. You mentioned this a minute ago. It's not their responsibility to tune into you. It's your responsibility as a leader to tune into their frequency. So back to me and you, we're high Ds. If we're communicating with an S, I, we have to slow down a little bit. We have to kind of check in on how they're how they're doing, how they're feeling, what they need from us. We have to ask plenty of questions instead of coming in and being directive. See, I even slowed my voice down when I talk about that person. I've got to do, I, you know, I, I, I just did that earlier. I, sometimes I record two of these shows in a day and I was talking about this earlier with a different show and maybe that's come out before that or after this, but I actually did that. I slowed my own presentation down yeah. and didn't, you know, how to took a different, had to control my own demeanor a little bit more because of an awareness of, well, cause here's the thing I can get, I can be passionate. I can be excited. Mm -hmm. Now that's a strength for me with some people. And it's, it's, it like, like you said in the beginning, it'll run some people down. Yeah, so, sure. um, I I'm, I'm really interested to it. This is really actually enjoyable for me right now because, uh, talking to people that have that same personality style as mine, it, it was re refreshing to hear you talk about a group of people because there, you know, you, you, when we say D and I, those are drive and, you know, drive and, and influence and uh, the type I personality really loves being a social butterfly. And often people confuse our personality style that highly driven as being extroverted or being social, like really in the end, people that have high levels of drive are so obsessed with whatever they want to do that we would prefer that you just leave us alone so we can do it. Um, it's not necessarily that we can't go in. You mentioned like you couldn't, or maybe I, it, you don't, you just don't put a high value on that massive degree of social interaction. Now I can show up and do it, but I don't wake up in the morning and go, man, I hope I meet 400 new people today. Um, now on the flip side of that, you know, there's, I think one of the things that, that is somewhat under misunderstood about person and they, and they aren't tests. This isn't a personality test. It's an assessment. It will tell you where you're at, but you have these varied situations you're in that are often known as natural and adapted. Now I'm kind of rare in the fact that I'm, I'm a high, I'm highly driven in both of those worlds. Like I don't really have much fluctuation. Do you, are you different in your natural and adapted styles? No, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, what you see in one place, you, you're going to see in the next. I'm 
I don't, I don't, that's I don't not change. common. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. Do that's, change. Not, that's not common. That's not common at all. Like a lot of people like, well, so my, my wife is, is a highly conscientious personality style. She's very, she's introverted, but if you actually get to know her, she's going to come up and, and say, hi, my name's Jill. But now if she talks to you for a second, she might talk to you all night, mm. you know, but um, the, one of the things that it's important to understand on a leadership basis is that, look, most people aren't very comfortable when it comes to speaking in front of people or being in a position where they have to make a decision on a fly. And that's one of the things that I think as a leader, if you can get down to understanding the mechanics about how those that are around you uh, operate and, tr and, and, and potentially align what needs to be done by your team or by them with what best fits their personality style. Now, the people that are on that that type B side, which is that S and C, that steadfast and conscientious, they're great at detailed stuff. They are really they, they actually like it. They want to follow rules. In fact, you you probably piss them off if they don't if you don't follow the rules. People like myself, like I, I'm not great with details like that's not my cup of tea. So when it comes to leadership, at least from my perspective, I'm always looking at like who's best suited like you don't probably want an accountant that has a high D personality style. Um, that's not someone that is going to get after all those details now and they're not going to like doing it. And I think where I'm going with this is if you can align people around the things that they're comfortable, passionate and want to do, that is another form of leadership that is past like what you are speaking, saying or asking them to do. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I believe in fit, right? I mean, when you, especially you, I'm, I think I'm thinking of it from a team leadership standpoint, you got to pe put people in the right fit for their personality. And, and so I love, you know, what you just said, that high D is not going to be highly conscientious of details. I'm a, I'm a DC. So for me, I like both, but I don't want to get bogged down in the details. I'd rather you do the detail stuff, Matt, and then kind of give me a bullet list of what you did and let, let me ask questions uh, so that I can, Same. you know, dig into the details that I need, but I don't want to, man, I'm not going <laughs> to, I knew really early. So when I went to college, right, I, I thought being an accountant sounded cool. And it was kind of because I dated a girl one time when I was in college and her dad was a CPA and they seemed to make lots of money. So I thought, man, maybe I want to be an accountant. So I, when I took accounting 101 in college, I hated it because, you know, I was going to say, is that all it took? Oh my that, God. That should have been all it took. Yeah, yeah, I was done. I changed my major after that, you know, after that first accounting class. Right. Um, cause back then we didn't have computers. I'm, 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 I'm I'm a little old. I mean, we're computers were just coming into kind of the mainstream, we're, right? We're not. Hey, man, we're not old. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But we, you know, so now they just put everything in a spreadsheet. But it's, uh, it, I knew then, like this is not something. Yes, I may be detailed, but not. Uh, I'm not to the extreme. I don't want to know all the details. And I'll give you an example. I just bought a new car over the weekend, right? I I looked at about four different dealerships. I asked the right questions I need. I mean, people, car salesmen love me because I'm going to, I'm going to tell them what I want. You make up your mind quickly, yeah. right? I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't shop for months, man. I make my decision. I walk in, I, you know, give them the money they want or, or you know, whatever. When I, I'm, I'm going to negotiate because that'd be my D I'm, you know, I got to get the best deal. Right. But I, I do a, just enough homework to, to press the buttons where I need to press and I make a decision, but I don't need to know like 
they want to show you all. Here's what I hate about, or I shouldn't say hate, but here's what I dislike about salesmen. They want to show me all the bells and whistles on the vehicle. And I'm like, Hey man, no, you don't want to hear it. How do I, how do I turn it on? Does it, does it steer? You know, where do I turn the wipers on? Where's the brakes, the gas? I, I need to know that I'll figure all this other stuff out as I go, but just sell me the car, man. I'm here to get a car that takes me from place A to uh, A to B. Right. But so, you know, back to your point, it's getting people in a, in a place where their strengths, where, where they need to be in their strengths. If you put a, a someone that's a high D into a place where there's going to be a lot of detail, they got to sit for a long time. They got to listen for a long time where they can't say anything. They're going to go crazy. If you put up someone who's a high eye in a place that uh, where where they can't socialize with people or they can't talk to other people, man, they're going to commit suicide. Right. I mean, it's just they've got to have that social interaction. And um, so what I do is I teach leaders to understand those personalities, the different personalities on their team. If they've got that high on their eye on their on their team, let that person be kind of the tip of the spear for pushing a new initiative forward for for building uh, inspiration into that and and don't don't force them to get into the details put someone else on their team that has that detail orientation that strength that can help them put all the pieces in place you just want that high eye needs to be able to to talk to people to get get, ins- get people inspired to create excitement and then the c on that team can put all the details in place now as a leader our job is to teach them how to communicate and work together and not let that become a problem because a high C would uh, maybe get resentful because that high I is not working on the details. So you have to teach them how to communicate with one another on a team. And that's, that's where I spend a lot of my time doing that. I think one of the things when it comes to communication, especially if you have a team that you work with regularly or often, is licensing certain people to do stuff like not feel like they need to give you every single detail about every single thing. So um, we talked a lot about adapting our delivery to be best heard. Well, that can be a two-way street too, because like I I mentioned, so my wife actually worked at our first business with us for six years and she's very detailed and she would come in my office and she would want to go down a list of like 25 different things that, that she felt were important. And you know, and I would listen. And by the time we got to the bottom line, um, I was usually either asleep or telling her to hurry up. And now that wasn't really a great approach to, to being a leader. But one of the things I really do now is I let people know, like, for example, if I know you're a different personality style as mine, I'm going to say, hey, hey, Mike, it's okay. You don't have to give me all the details. What I'm really concerned about with X, Y, and Z reports for A, B, and C meetings that we have is this. And while there might be 20 things, like you mentioned, uh, salespeople have an easy time selling to you, or they can, but the ones that put you to sleep are the ones that want to talk about the features of everything. And like, really, for my personality, so we just care about the benefits, like get down to the nitty gritty, tell me the three things that matter and how much does it cost. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the same thing can go with your own team. And, and as a leader, that give and take, um, you know, as you're understanding how to communicate with your team. I think as you get to know them, it's really important for you to set that groundwork and that framework around what's the best way to communicate with you. Um, Because certain personality types feel like they have to give you all the details. Like they're like, if I don't give all 25 of these details along the way, I could be perceived as not doing my job. So, you know, some of that, I mean, some, so many things. All right. So I give you, I have 180 employees in the Philippines and 
they uh, over there, there's a there's a, a different type of communication. Like at times, uh, they may not want to say something critical. So what we say right away is we say, look, be as critical as you want. If you're going to mention a problem, just make sure you have a solution that goes with it or that you are working on arriving at one. And because if we don't know a problem exists on a team, it's difficult for us to solve it. So and part of that is just that simple licensing, like saying, hey, Mike, you know, like, look, I want you to do this, this, this or that or deliver this in a certain a certain kind of way. I think that that's pretty important. What are, what are your thoughts on the, the giving people the uh, empowering them to do whatever? I think it's critical. Um that that happens, Matt, you just, man, I, I could give you so many examples, but you, you made me, I, I have a meeting. My wife works with me, not for me. She works with me. And every Monday morning we have a meeting and I often have to remind her of that. Like, here's where we're at. Here's where we're going. And then she wants to kind of give me all the detail. And I'm, you know, I'm like, I don't need all the details. I just, just, we need to get here. Here's where we need to get. I don't care what you do to get us there. Those we're not going to break the law, right? We're not going to break the wall. So it, as long as I don't care how you do it, just here's where we need to get here's on this project. This is what we've got to get to. I don't care what you do. I don't need to read the emails that you're sending out. I don't need to read the messaging. You know, there are certain things I have her doing for me in my business. Um, but she oftentimes wants to make sure that, you know, I look at all the things that she's doing. And, and so I have to remind her frequently, Matt, of, of my personality, right? And look, here's where we need to go. And I, and so in leadership, the companies that I work with, I have to remind them of that. It's your responsibility as the leader to teach your team. I I often say we teach people how to treat us. Okay. So as a leader, I need to teach the people on my team how to communicate with me. Don't, don't, expect them to know if you haven't shared that with them. And so if you need details, let them know you need details. If you don't need details, let them know what you do need. Just to give them, let, you know, tell them to, so what I do, I'm often working with people. I'll say, look, I need to know kind of the bottom line and then let me ask questions. And if you've got some supporting information, you want me to read, then hand it to me and I'll read it later. But right now, tell me, tell me what you've done. Tell me where we're going. Tell me where we're at right now. And then let me ask questions to get the information that I need. Um, and so it's. And tell me if the building's on fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, yep. look, my, my wife will sometimes we we've gotten better. Look, I've been so I've been in business for myself since 2006. I moved my office home probably five years ago now, maybe six years ago um, because I was traveling so much. I don't, I don't have a, a, a physical team that works, you know, physically in a location with me anymore. So I didn't need the office space, but one of the challenges we had, you know, the first couple of years I moved home is my wife would have a thought and she would want to come in and kind of tell me that thought right, right then. Right. And so one of the things I had to teach her is look, I'm a, when I'm focused, I'm focused. My, our relationship is important as a married couple, but also what I do is important in my work. So I need you to write those things down and we can talk about them either at the end of the day or on our weekly meeting, you know, just and, and teaching her how to and when to communicate in certain things with me. And then I always tell her if it's 911, then yeah, let me know when you walk in the door, it's 911. If the kids are bleeding, they're showing bone. I need to know that like right now, right? I'll stop what I'm doing. But other than that, 
you know, let me stay in my zone. Let me stay focused so that when I walk out of my office, I can be fully present with you and my family. Um, and so that I just use that example, Matt, working as a solopreneur at home, I have to teach my my family that, but I teach leaders that every single day. And it's a vital piece of leadership is not expecting, not assuming people know, but, ha, you know, educating them on how is, is what I, what I'm, it's, it's kind of that art of leadership. So, you know, so much of what we've talked about is about the different traits that exist within a personality style. One of the things that I think is important, if you want to understand the, the art and the science of, of leadership is that uh, that personally, each of you, regardless of what personality designation best describes you, your best qualities come out when you are not stressed and your worst qualities come out when you are stressed. Uh, one of the things that's been the most useful for me is understanding that. Um, so, you know, we all have, uh, we all have pluses and minuses about us, but when you're tired, stressed, or in a hurry, your worst qualities come out. And I try to be mindful of that. It doesn't mean that I am, uh, always even close to suppressing those, but if you feel stressed, tired, or in a hurry, start training yourself to have some awareness for the fact that you're probably not presenting your best outward self. Uh, what are your thoughts on that subject? <laughs> I would include hangry in that too. You said tired. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. one of my favorite commercials, you know, that came out was the Snicker bars commercials, you know, where they would show one person and then you get a Snicker bar. That's me, man. If I get hungry, you know, I got to make sure I don't, I don't let that uh, impact my, the way I, the way I treat others, but you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head, Matt. And that's part of this science of leadership is understanding self, right? Understanding our own triggers, what brings out the best in me, what brings out the worst in me. And if I'm in a situation where I am uh, allowing things to pile up, pile up, pile up, and then I allow stress to, to get on me, right? I'm going to come out that high D personality that I have is going to come out. Um, and I would say the same thing for a, for a high S, you know, when that happens, that high S is maybe the easiest getting to get along with person in the world. But when they get super stressed, they're going to come out like a roaring lion. Finally, you know, right. When the volcano finally explodes, that's what happens. And so, you know, again, what I teach people is to understand your triggers, what triggers you to be your best and what triggers you to be your worst. And you got to play in that middle ground all the time. There are times, Matt, that where sometimes we just can't, we can't prevent some of those stressors or some of those triggers from happening. I mean, we live in a world right now, you and I are talking about, we're, you know, we're four or five months into this whole coronavirus thing. Uh, it's highly stressful for a lot of people, right? Because it feels like it's out of control for them. They're, they're so used to being able to just get up and go to the office, go to work. Everything was kind of routine for them. And that, but once that routine was taken away, it's created stressors on everybody. Um, and, and so understanding that and then learning how to deal with that, some things you, most things, I'm a believer that most things you can control, some things you can't, this is one of those things we couldn't, but it doesn't mean you can't, um, you can't respond appropriately by recognizing where you're triggered and then recognizing what you're going to do to prevent that from becoming a wedge between you and your communication with others. 
Yeah, so many people say, and I agree with this, and I don't know why I wouldn't, but the one thing you can control is your own attitude and your own reaction to things. You know, it's a, you mentioned playing baseball. Um, so I play, play baseball myself. You know, they teach you to look for a fastball and adjust to the curve. And, uh, you know, and, and so much in business and leadership is adjust as adjustment. Um, and the, the ever so uh, quotable Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's probably about the 40th time that's been said out of 400 episodes of Startup Hustle because it's important. Um, it's a, Mike nailed that right in the nose uh, for so many different reasons. Your plan, one thing that's per, pretty much guaranteed to not go as planned is your plan, mm-hmm. which means you're in a constant state of, of adaptation and understanding. I think the best leaders are often great listeners, which isn't always inherent with the driven personality style. Um, so, you know, just, you, you gotta be aware of it. And I, I find myself constantly checking and doing stuff. It's been, uh, 20 years since I was first introduced to disc, um, and, and that, and you know, how that reacts. And there's been times and situations in my life where I've been really good at it. And when I really haven't been, um, because I didn't go back and look at it. I, I originally started studying personality styles because I was in my mid twenties and I was a salesperson that was excellent at making sales to guys like you and terrible. So I was like, you know, I'd sell everything under the sun to people with my same personality style. They liked me. I knew exactly how to get to it. And then the people on the opposite side of the graph, they didn't want anything to do with me. So I had to, I had to adjust my approach and, 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 you know, and now I got to be honest, it's probably one of the best things I've done for myself as a professional, maybe as a person, Uh, you, you as with your personality style, what's something that you constantly or regularly have to check yourself on and make sure that you're doing and not failing at. Yes, uh, you mentioned it a minute ago. Uh, you said great listeners are also great listeners. I, I kind of think that's a little bit overused oftentimes because listeners, leader, people know they need to listen more, right? So what I teach is seek to understand. That book, Seven Habits, that I read when I was 23. And so what I, what I try to tell myself every day, Matt, is seek to understand the person across the table from me. You know, we got a lot going on in our world right now, right? I mean, from, from the COVID people, people are on completely opposite ends of the spectrum as to what, you know, they believe about mask wearing or, or immunization, you know, whatever. Right. And then we've got all the racial tensions in the world and all the political tensions in the world. And my goal is to seek to understand like both sides. I want to seek to understand. I have my own personal opinions, but that my opinion shouldn't factor in until I've at least sought to understand, to listen to that other person, to, to f- identify what their perspective is. Matt, that's probably I, I'm really good at it today, but I'm I'm really bad at it, too. Right. Because I, I just want to I want to get I'm, I'm focused on the result. Let's let's just get let's solve this. Let's make it happen. Here's what we need to do. Step one, two, three, four. <laughs> I tell people, Matt, my two greatest strengths are telling people what to do and how to do it, right? Okay, here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to do it. Uh, and that's not that's not always great leadership. So I've learned 
and I still have to learn. Like I haven't learned it. I still have to teach myself this every day. Seek to understand. Seek to understand Matt before you give him advice. Seek to understand that person across the room, across the neighborhood, across the community before you try to make your opinion known because you don't you don't have all the facts. And I, and I often say that because, you know, people have made judgments against me. I grew up in a you know, in a home, man, if you knew how I grew up and you know who I am today, you would say that dude's a miracle. I am a miracle, man. I mean, God, God, uh, did a, a work in me. I am a miracle. Uh, but most people don't, they make a judgment about me because what they see is the man I am today. They have no clue what I came from. They don't know my story. And so I use that as a way to remind myself to, okay, yeah, I don't know everybody's story. Make sure you don't make a, an, a, an, a judgment or a, an assumption until you've had an opportunity to, to first seek to under, at least try to understand. Doesn't mean I'm going to agree, Matt, but I want to seek to understand. And that's probably the thing that I have to work on the hardest. Yeah, I think in Congress with that, when you say seek to understand, you know, everyone has a problem they're trying to solve. I mean, whether it's there at work or in life or uh, in general. And uh, I mentioned my book, Balance Me. I talk about, you know, how, how to improve and find some balance in your personal, professional and physical life because they're all intertwined. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all have a problem we're trying to solve. If I think as a leader, it's so important to make deposits before you attempt to make withdrawals. Um, you know, if you, if I, if I walk, there's a bank, you know, really close to my house. Now I don't have an account there. And if I go in and I'm trying to, and I'm standing at the window with a withdrawal slip and they're just going to look at me and going, dude, um, you don't even have an account here. Like, how are you trying to make a withdrawal? But, um, while that might sound kind of like an interesting example, but the same thing goes with the people you're trying to lead. I I'm a big believer in the fact that, that leadership is difficult to, to, to assign. Um, and you know, you can, and you've been around it cause everyone's been a party to a shitty leader at some point and you're, and it was usually someone that was like in an assigned position. So one way, whether you are an assigned leader or not, keep in mind that it's difficult to make withdrawals from, from accounts that you have yet to make a deposit in. So I think that's where so much of the, you say, seek to understand, I spend a fair amount of time, especially with those I work close with, uh, getting to know what exactly what they're trying to get out of life. Mm. And I don't just mean at the job. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like I've had employees, this, uh, like salespeople, they're like, I just really want to buy a house. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you know, one way that that's going to happen faster, sell more stuff. Mm -hmm. And so let's figure out what we need to do to make that happen. And I, and I take a, a vested interest. Obviously I want my company to succeed and us to get to where we want. So, you know, I feel like helping other people figure out how to get what they want is a big part of, of me getting what I need now. Yeah. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, where we seek to understand what your technology needs are. Um, actually, I'm sitting here reading the wrong lines, man. I got so far into this, I might have to call Mike over at Crown CFO and tell him that I hijacked his episode because <laughs> today's episode is actually brought to you by Crown CFO, not my own company. I got, I get so passionate about this subject matter, uh, you know, like I said, having written about it and other stuff. So, Mike, I'm going to throw you a free sponsored episode there. Go to Crown CFO and learn more about what they do. There's people that can help you solve those problems as well. And check out what Mike does. Like I said, that, that's the first time I've ever botched the uh, sponsor line. So now we end our episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. 
and you're obviously the founder of your enterprise and what you're doing, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push you towards a different freestyle answer. Uh, what's some of the best advice for leadership that you can give businesses that are at an early stage? Um, I think if, if, if you're a startup company, uh, make leadership development a part of your culture. Okay. Because everything rises and falls on leadership. That's probably the greatest advice. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And when you make leadership development and personal development, part of your culture, then all people are going to be better and they'll stay with you, Matt, because look, there's only a, a small percentage of, of companies in the world that really try to develop the people that work for them. Most people are just worried about getting something out of people. But when we pour something in, into people, we can get a lot more out of them. Well, and I think you, I think you kind of uh, supported my opinion about deposits and withdrawals. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just, you know, that whole thing. And, 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 and really, you know, I think in my own ex experience and uh, as a leader of a company with a couple hundred employees, and one that's grown quickly too. You know, we have a two hundred, just under two hundred employees after two years, and there there is a whole lot of, of crap that comes with that growing that quickly. Because, you know, like how is leadership being received? How is it? You know, who is? Do we even have one? Mm -hmm. You know, and so much of that, and you know, taking that interest in other people's success, letting them know that hey, look, we're all trying to accomplish something together. One of the things that's been revolutionary for us and our approach at full scale, and that's that not the sponsor of this episode, but maybe it was, um, is, is, our, you know, we, we like to, we say that we're client obsessed. We want that our clients, we want to lead our clients. We're obsessed with our client's success and we want to lead our own efforts towards helping them get what they want because the trickle down effect is, well, A, we have a purpose driven life. We know what we're getting up and trying to do every day. And then past that, you know, like if we don't serve our clients well and we don't do a good job for them, they're not going to stay clients. Amen. And, you know, so much of that is leadership in so many different categories. Uh, I want to end the episode by saying that I've had a lot of people in life ask me how to make more money. And I usually tell them they can't be focused on money. But one thing I did learn, uh, right, I mentioned I got into a lot of this stuff, this personality styles and leadership and the art and science of it about 20 years ago, because I saw that the people that were getting and doing the things that I wanted in life, including a bigger income, were all embracing leadership and they were taking it very seriously. Uh, whether you consider yourself to be a leader now or you want to be one later, it is just like anything else you do in life. You have to take time, effort, energy. You got to study it. You got to try to be better at it. You got to review your game tape and figure all that out. So with that, I'm going to get to work figuring out how to be better as a leader myself. Mike, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Matt, thanks for the invite. It was a pleasure talking with you. Hopefully we added a ton of value uh, to, to your, uh, to your listeners as well. That'd be the last thing I'd say. If you want to make more money, focus on adding value to people, not making more money. When you do, when you do that, the money shows yep. up. Deposits before withdrawals. See you next time. Thanks buddy. Startup hustles brought to you by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
we do it.